take two, more like take three of your games and remaster them. Play MLB 20 the show on Xbox via Game Pass <laughs> via Country Roll. You were 100% right. <laughs> That's the opening. <laughs> Chung. If you really want to redo it, we can redo it. No, I don't care. I like it. <laughs> uh, it's as confusing as the actual thing is. Yeah, of course. Oh, well, hello all. And welcome back to a, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, a video version of Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, yes. Brett Beck. Uh, and aside alongside me look see now the camera's back on me the pressure's on <laughs> a lot of pressure. you know what i mean now i feel like my second time i feel like camera. piper's surrounded but you know we'll deal with that later um <laughs> welcome back <laughs> to the video hey. version of the podcast uh for the first time in video form i am joined by chris figs what's how up, you doing buddy? chris i'm doing excellent how are you i'm doing well uh took a little while to get this video thing going but here we are Dude. and the upside is as we come back here shortly with midweek matinee, we'll be able to do a video version of it. So if you mm-hmm. are one of our listeners who really prefers to listen uh, or watch via YouTube, you'll be able to do that on the other podcast as well. But this is not that podcast. You should go no. check it out if you want to. But more importantly, yes. this is a PlayStation podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, this is lucky episode 223. Yeah, that seems right. It's your show. I don't know. That seems right. <laughs> I've got so caught up in this video thing that, you know, it's it's where we are right now. Uh, Chris, yeah. Yeah, i to ask you in the time-honored tradition of how this show goes, what have you been up to? What have oh. you been playing, man? Um, I've been playing Greedfall Woo-woo. and Back for Blood. So yeah. the Back for Blood, the beta ends in what, like a day? Uh, I think it ends in like an hour. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. You sent yeah, me the link and we're like, just day. two more days. And I'm like, bro, I don't even have, no, <laughs> <laughs> my will to live this weekend was pretty low though. You know, it's normally yeah. way up here. I'm normally in a pretty good uh-huh. mood, but Saturday I was right about here. I wasn't, gotcha. you know, it, and I had so much stuff going on. So, uh, also, well, though, I, I also honest, not my type of game. <laughs> it's fun. Um, I did realize that if I had sent it to you, it would just been a wasted code. Because you could have just downloaded it for me. So that is stupid for you to use that code. Was the code not linked to your <laughs> ability no, you to didn't. play it through your um, account? Or is it just to download it? It was just a download key. Yeah, then who knows? <laughs> I guess so, you would have been wasting it. Worked it worked out. I ended up yeah, I ended up playing with four of my friends. They gave me three codes, so I sent it to three of my friends and we rocked out. It's fun. It's got some problems, but well, that's a good way to do that kind of thing, right? If you're going to take a game that's so heavily multiplayer focused or even co-op focused, really like that, if you're going to do a beta, you might as well do a beta where you give somebody, "Hey, you got in. Here's three codes. You're gonna play. You're gonna play the game in the optimal mode." You know, I don't think that they. I've right. seen games do it where they're multiplayer heavy and then they just give you one code. It's like, no, these games are about playing with friends. Don't you want my friends to buy yeah. this? You should give me exactly. code and then a couple of other codes <clears throat> so that me and the boys can link up. Yeah. And, and well, play Battlefield the, 2049 or whatever it is. Yeah. My first session on it, I didn't have fun because it was just me and one other guy. And we ended up playing with bots and stuff. And it, we were both kind of left that session like, I don't know. I don't maybe for 20 bucks if we can get four guys. And then we played with four people. And we were like, I mean, I would buy this if everyone does. The question is, does everyone buy it? See, so, yeah. I don't know, man. 
uh, multiplayer gaming so much like that, but since I don't do it very often, I do mm-hmm. kind of exist in this f- field where in my head, as as much as I know it's not true, in my head, no one plays it because it doesn't exist in my world. Like, not people don't get together <laughs> that often. I know that that's so not yeah. true because otherwise Apex and Fortnite and Warzone wouldn't be like literally leading the pack by millions. Yeah. But I've been you know. playing Apex every day with the same dude for two years. So <laughs> you are without crazy. fail. Like you're five minutes before you go to bed and you're like, shit, I haven't played. <laughs> Got to get my daily Apex in, guys. Yeah. You're not. One game. That's, that's not really a, a wrong way to look at how I play Apex at this point. <laughs> do you, like, if you reach the end of the day and you've not Apexed it up yet, like, do you, do you skin itch? Do you find like you, you're like. A tad, yeah. <laughs> need my My Assassin's room. Creed tattoo starts glowing and. You know what you should do? You should go to a methadone clinic and when they ask <laughs> when they ask what you're there for. <laughs> I haven't played video games in like a year. I'm gonna I haven't die. played my Apex, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used a Phoenix kit in so long. Oh man. Well that's good. So big week yeah. of literally just Apex and then starting on um or back for Blood, I should say, and then starting up on Greedfall. Yeah. I did play Apex, that is true. Season ten's a lot of fun if you play Apex. Yeah. Seer's sure. gonna get nerfed, like I said. So what made week. you want to start back up on Greedfall? Because you, you had mentioned that you played it on PS4 and you just quit. Mm-hmm. So what was it? Because you had hoped that the next-gen version would come or just it, it lost um, your attention first time around? Well, first time, a lot of, first time around, it lost my attention. And then this time, I just have kept playing it. I don't really have another option. I just kind of got bored with <laughs> I don't have an option? <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I don't have another reason. Sorry. Your but, PS5's gun to your head. <laughs> it's like play, play Greedfall. Get that platinum. Um, I don't and know. Now I, we've reached the root cause. It's just the platinum of it all. You're not wrong. I, I've gotten a bunch of crappy platinums recently. I'm up to like 86. Mm. So I got one more since the last trove of garbage I've played. Um, <laughs> it was called Tokyo Jungle or Tokyo Run. Oh, but I say Tokyo I Jungle was a PS3 game, if I remember. Yeah, right. no, it's called Tokyo Run, and I'm pretty sure it's the most racist video game I've ever played in my life. Okay, it's it's insane, but it's a quick platinum. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Problematic platinums now. That's sick. <laughs> this industry is really evolving. <laughs> <laughs> my hair is slowly turning blue. <laughs> but yeah, Tokyo Run is not good. You like collect stuff, and you run into you can run into these sumo wrestlers that are running at you and i again this is why i think it's racist is because they say a bunch of words that sound japanese but i'm pretty sure are not (laughs) it sounded like what i would say if i was pretending to talk japanese yeah so yeah it's not great so is it like an endless runner it's an yes it's literally an endless runner because you cannot lose i bumped into those guys like a hundred times and just kept going it's like a six six minutes or whatever Endless runners are weird. Are weird. I mean, if you can lose, I understand. Because like I had that little run where Temple Run was kind of fun. You know, it was like screw yeah. around in a doctor's office or something. Or you're at yeah. work and you pull out a quick, you know, let me see how I can get up in Temple Run. But eventually they run out real quick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best ones I've kind of seen are ones where I guess they're not endless runners, but they're auto run platformers. Have you played yeah. any of those? Yep, like Bit Trip Runner. Um, I haven't played BitTrip, uh, but yeah, I think I've seen it, and it, it definitely reminds me of that. The one that comes to mind, actually, is there are two different uh, Rayman games that were in that Ubisoft oh, yeah. style that they did, like Rayman Jungle Run or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that game was great and i like the idea of like you're running and you can't control the run yeah you don't you can't stop but i think you can like change your speed a little bit you can jump when you want to you can swipe things on the screen to create like bridges and stuff i think it's pretty similar to how mario uh, ended up being when it came to phone i didn't yeah, I play it because i'm not a big mario person but i know a lot of people right. liked it yeah yeah it was fun I, that's probably the best one i've played of an endless runner it's not a good thing necessarily but yeah, but I mean, if, if it's a simple gameplay, which I, I understand to a degree, right? Can you imagine actually trying to control a character with touchscreen buttons? I don't think it'd be very good for something as no. precise as a platformer. So instead, how you do it is you make the only precise things that you can do on a phone, which is choose exactly when to tap and when exactly to swipe something to create something else. Yeah. So to that degree, I understand the move, but it's not near as good. That's one of those things. I don't find that those ever quite give the thrill that you get from like a real platformer. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, actually, I told you earlier how I was. Uh, <laughs> I did the base god, the base god. <laughs> the the whole thing is. I don't even know why I started doing it. I think I had a friend who wouldn't stop talking about Little B the base god, and the entire time I was getting the Crash Bandicoot one, two, and three platinums from the Insane trilogy. Once I started getting to the hard part of the Platinums where you have to get every level like without dying and collecting all the boxes and all that stuff and speed running, yeah. whenever I would finally get the speed run, Thank you, Base God. I would always go, Base God. And I'd look up and my <laughs> wife was just sitting there beside me and she'd go, ugh. And I stopped for a few years just because I kind of forgot about it. But then something in my brain hit me up like a year ago and I started doing it again here and there. Yeah. So good times. <laughs> I like that. I dig that. Um, but yeah, those those types of games like, you know, legit platformers have a different thrill which i guess that's what yeah. it's the different thrill but i just don't feel like auto runners can ever hit that height no i mean i'm not a platformers forming guy platformering guy yeah i, I noticed I like know. you seem to like it when it's in a game as like an additive but yeah you don't seem hot on it when it's the main purpose of the game no i don't get it i don't like for me i just don't get why it's fun but uh to each their own <laughs> well, I guess it's like why is why is it fun to for the people who think like Dark Souls and all those games are just impes- like impossibly hard? Yeah, why, what's the fun in that? I guess everybody has their own weird version of fun. <laughs> I mean, what I can say is that beating Cleric Beast as my first Dark Souls type boss was like an orgasmic experience, and <laughs> getting a good jump has never felt that good. I well, think that's like the difference. For me, anyway, that's the one. Well, I, can I think imagine. what it means is that you've yet to play a platformer or gotten far enough in where the challenging levels start, and that's kind of the problem with uh, most platformers is that they have to start easy to ease you in. Yeah, they don't have to, but most of the time they well, do, right? I think uh, I a got example like... of a game that's pretty much like a, that's a platformer that's pretty much immediately hard or challenging. I should say um, is Super Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy is excellent because it's just a hard game. It's super demanding and it makes every single time that you pull it off, it's that same feeling of beating your first or beating any boss in a a Souls game, you know? You know, what's funny is I don't like platformers, but I've beaten Super Meat Boy. That game is so (laughs) good, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's very good. And it's actually part of why I think you might also like uh, Celeste. I don't know if you've played that one or even heard of it. I started it. I didn't like it. There's Super Meat Boy is just so quick and the levels are so small that I don't even, I has a, it is a platformer, but I would almost call it a puzzle game more than anything else. Cause I don't really think like you have to be good at the platforming, but I think it's more knowing the level, which I guess I could be talking out of my ass. Cause 
I think that's all platformers to a degree, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, like some, yeah, of, some of the most that. challenging Crash Bandicoot levels are just knowing when the level is going to do what. So it's very yeah. hard to beat them on your first time. Um, I think it's like slippery. It's not. What is it called? It might be slippery slope. I don't think so. Uh, I can't remember the exact name, but there's a level in Crash Bandicoot One, which is a pretty hard game to be fair. Yeah. Uh, toward the very end, when you're climbing Cortex's castle, and the whole level takes place where like the castle, you see like the side of the castle walls, and you're scaling it, and there's a bunch of different things that are rising and falling, going up and down. Birds you can bounce on that go up and down on their own, um, as well as stairs that collapse to a slope. So if you're on them at the wrong time and it collapses, you're going to slide all the way down and fall. Um, That level is all about like figuring out the exact order and timing of which to do things while also having the finesse to pull off what you got to do. So a good platformer I do think does, uh, does that, but I think that's, and and I'm going to talk out of my ass for a second because (laughs) it's been so long since I've beaten a Mario game. I think Mario 64 it's like the last one that I played to completion and I didn't care for it the whole time through. I was just kind of like, I see what it's doing, but it's not rewarding enough for me. Yeah. And I find that to be the reason I don't tend to like Mario is I don't think it's challenging enough, but no, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Which is kind of the weird balance with, with platformer games. Cause there's plenty that I just lose interest in. Cause I'm like too easy. Uh, Crash four was an interesting thing. Cause it's easy to begin with, but pretty quick that game can get tough. Yeah, I got decently far into Crash Four. Yeah, Crash Four was really good. I don't have I don't have a drive to go back to them. I think more than anything else, there's something where it's like, okay, I'll take like five minutes and do this one level, and then not like it and move on. (laughs) (laughs) So the moment the fun ends, yeah, yeah, Super Meat Boy does rock. Yeah, Um, that's cool. Um, So no Final Fantasy fourteen. I've played a little bit. I have not played much of it though. No. So what's happening? Are you are you becoming disenchanted with the game? No, um, I'm just I'm having more fun with Greedfall and like Judgment than I was with Final Fantasy, which isn't a I'm not going to drop it. I still play a little bit every day, but it's just a couple levels here and there. Okay, I'm just trying to grind it out. Well, I have not become disenchanted with it yet, but here's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I played the game up until Tuesday. Um, yeah. And I got the vaccine Tuesday, uh, the single shot one, and I felt fine the majority of the day. But then around 8.30, I'd been on Final Fantasy for maybe 30 minutes. I started Mm -hmm. doing like a dungeon uh, or whatever you call it, the instances that you can join other players in. And I started feeling terrible. So I was like, oh, I'm going to beat this and then I'm going to lay down. I haven't been on since Tuesday because I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I said last week where the game has yet to make me fall in love with it, but it's yet to make me hate it. So it's like it was easy for me to keep going. But what ended up happening is I was talking to Saul about some other MMOs. And I've talked to one of my other buddies as well, uh, John, about MMOs that he enjoyed. And a lot of the ones he enjoyed, I'm like, yeah, I played that and I didn't care for that. And I've played for a decent amount of time. And I think I've just learned what I like in an MMO. And Final Fantasy is not necessarily doing it. Final Fantasy 14 is very World of Warcraft-like. Uh, which is fine. I mean, World of Warcraft is obviously a huge game, yeah. but the, their way of progression, I think, is one of these things where definitely a Realm Reborn. I'm finding that right now. I'm not going to say the game sucks, but right now I'm at this point where the game's not good enough either. <laughs> and okay. if the game is uh, almost everybody's like, well, you just you need to get to end game content, and I'm like, if the game is only good after I've after I'm supposed to have sunk 
a hundred plus hours into the game, that's not good game design. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, some, someone was like, well, you can buy a skip potion. I'm like, that's fair. If all I wanted to do is that, but then he started telling me what it was. He's like, it's not about the story. It's about playing with other people. And I was like, I'm not that worried about that. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather just, I'd rather have a good story and that like, I, I think the two can coexist. <laughs> Plenty of games have done that. Yeah. Um, that are MMOs. Uh, but other things like, drive between levels i find to be very off in that game like i don't feel a lot of pull to do anything because there's no real interesting thing that i'm unlocking yeah. um so basically long story short i've ended up playing runescape all week <laughs> like heavily <laughs> heavily because i was talking to saul and i was talking to him about a game called silk road online that i used to play yeah and one of the things i liked about that game is its way of constantly engaging the player um it's very different. The game's very much about killing monsters and it's a little fetch questy too, which is a huge problem in final fantasy 14. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of challenges. The game's pretty hard. You're going to die often. And when you do die, you lose percentage of your level. So you lose experience until you get down back to the start of the level you're on. So if you're level 34, trying to get to level 35 and you start dying a bunch right toward the end, you'll go all the way back to the start of 34. If you're not careful, and it makes it to where you have to work toward and grind. Plus, there's like a, a back-end job system that exists at once you get to level 20, I think you can start, of um, a thief, a hunter, and a trader. And that's a triangle. So the basic idea of the game is you choose which faction you want to go with and which job you want to do at the time. If you're a trader, you buy basically a big stock mule of whatever sort. You load its packs up with like exotic fab- uh, fabrics and stuff from one city. And then you hire a hunter, a hunter uh, the, the basically the, the trader's job is to get to the other city, sell the stuff because it's foreign there and you get a lot of money for it. The trader pays a hunter <clears throat> to protect them. And that's where they get money out of this deal. And then thieves are trying to kill the hunter to get to the trader to steal the stuff the trader has. And it creates this crazy fun job system that's like self-rewarding. I've referenced it before and that I think that kind of system in no man's sky would be really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just started noticing like little things about runescape and silk road that I really like that most MMOs that are very successful don't do. And I'm like, I just don't like the typical MMO. That's what I'm learning about myself. Yeah. So I'm not done with uh, 14 necessarily but my drive to go back to it is being heavily outweighed by my drive to keep playing RuneScape. I've been questing all week because that's what makes RuneScape fun to me. Every quest has got interesting things that you have to do. Let me, let me t- tell you a quick story. There's a quest in the game Regale, called brother. the Hero's Quest. Okay. And my favorite way to play RuneScape is to play without guides because this game has been out for so long. There's quest guides that tell you exactly what you got to do. But my favorite thing is just go start a quest, hear what they want you to do, and then just think of the solutions. And if you really can't find it and I'm getting frustrated, sometimes I'll either take a break or I'll just try and get a quick hint from a guide and then turn it back off and keep going the rest of the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hero's Quest, you to get in, you've got to bring them three incredibly hard to find items, basically. you got to bring them a Master's Thief armband. You have to bring them the uh, a feather of a flame bird. And you have to bring them a cooked lava eel. And each of those things are not normal items that you can get in the normal aspects of the game. So you can go to this island called Entrana and you can't go with any of your weapons because it's a monk island. And when you try and go, they won't let you. So eventually you get over there and you can kill the firebird. But when you go to pick up its feather, you can't because it burns you. 
So you have to think through what's in the game. There's a place called Ice Mountain in the game. Mm-hmm. And if you go deep into it and go through the entire thing, you can kill the Ice Queen. And if you kill the Ice Queen, she drops ice gloves. And you can wield the ice gloves, go back, kill the Firebird, pick up the feather. I love okay. stuff like that. That's cool no, mechanical that's awesome. thought process. Um, and then the Lava Eel, you have to go talk. You know, there, she's, you, you can ask for tips and stuff. They'll be like, talk to someone who's a great fisherman. And there's a great fisherman in this one sa- uh, town that you can go talk to. And he tells you, oh, yeah, to do that, you have to make your line of your um, rod basically lava proof. He's like, here's a, uh, I have an oil that if you add these two ingredients to, you can put on your rod and you'll be able to fish in the lava. Well, then you got to find where the lava eels are and you got to find the ingredients, put them all together and then go fish for the lava eel. And it's all stuff like that. And then the last one, which is the master's uh, thief armband, you go and talk Mm -hmm. to somebody that you talked to in a previous quest and they say, uh, you know, you'd be like, how do you get one? And they're like, well, you can earn the rank. And then they'll tell you something you can go steal, which is a pirate's candlestick from an island. You can go gotcha. there and you find out it's really hard to find. So you have to talk to people, find that there's a hidden door, go out, work with other players to get them to go around the other side from a different gang and distract the guy so that you can shoot him through the wall. They pick up a candlestick for them and you and then come back out and trade you and you get a candlestick and go turn it in. I love that use of getting players to play to each other, with each other without it just being combat focused. And uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a game that you can play 100% by yourself and have a great time. Or you can play with somebody else and have a great time. And I don't find Final Fantasy to be that in- compelling if you're playing by yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I tend to play Final Fantasy, which is why I don't know that I'll ever like truly finish it. Because I tend to play it as just like, okay, I will have an hour or two to just go around and click. And honestly, like I tend to play it like while I'm doing writing or whatever. So like I'll have my two screens open and I'll be clicking at Final on Final Fantasy think of something to write and then just go and I'll spend 10 minutes doing that while my character just idles, gets killed by a spider. You know, like I don't, I'm not like necessarily the most engaged in it. It's just something I like hanging out and I have a buddy who plays it. So we'll be chatting throughout the whole thing. So it's like a social experiment with a lot of clicking, you know, <laughs> well, it's I'll not tell experiment's you. not the right word, but yeah, I got a social interaction. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. I don't know that you'll ever have the 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 will or the thought, but have you ever played RuneScape ever? You even know what it is? I actually just installed it and tried to launch it, and it was very loud, so I had to turn it off. <laughs> so, are you doing uh, RuneScape or old school RuneScape? No, because there are two different things. School. Yeah, I did old school RuneScape because the uh, the new RuneScape or whatever that was on Steam like kind of just looked like garbage. So the old like, one does too, but it's this. it's a charm. You know, it's, it's like a charming. Yeah style the new well, yeah one, that yeah it's the new like one retro look, the, yeah 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 where but, the new one is ugly if you want any help you, you're more than welcome to it and i'll help you out um i think it's so fun because like the way that the game goes so one of the things that i think is so great about it versus final fantasy is clear goals towards something so when you first start you have level one attack level one strength level one defense and each of those three things has different things that you can get by reaching certain level thresholds. So mm-hmm. when you get to um, level five attack, you can start wielding. When you're level one, you can only wield um, bronze or iron uh, or, or weapons. And 
then if you get to level five, you can start wielding steel weapons. And if you get to level 10, you can wield black weapons and so on and so forth until you get to the, the, the max. And that's each stat. You could be a pure, which also has its own advantages to where you can go on and say, I'm only going to ever level my strength stat and let my defense and my uh, attack stay one so that my combat level looks low but when i go out i can actually do higher damage than my combat level would do so that the wilderness area where you pk with players is beneficial to you little things like that make it really fun um and that's the same thing for like oh you want to be able to do this oh okay here you are it's just it's different i don't know i really love it okay well technical difficulties abound i have no clue what we're talking about so at this point uh if you need help let me know yeah you were talking about quests. Yeah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, look, the hot take of the episode is this. Old school RuneScape is better than Final Fantasy XIV Online. <laughs> Someone's going to like okay. hear that and blow up. Yeah, that sounds like some crazy stuff. I said stuff what I said. said. But hey, I, why, why are you booing me? I'm right. I get it. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Operating with this potential delay might be interesting, but we'll see what happens in the long run. Um, all right. Well, Chris, I guess now's as good a time as any to uh, stop talking about RuneScape and just uh, go into the fact that I completely never put the uh, community stake up. So <laughs> me alone am responsible for that lack. If anybody wants to blame me, uh, you are more than welcome to. Uh, the good news is that Saul comes back next week. I know I said that this week. If you weren't surprised, surprised I misunderstood Saul and uh, prematurely announced it. Probably shouldn't have, but I know without a fact, without a doubt, <laughs> that he's coming back this next week, and that we should have it where Chris is there with us. So, um, with that said, we'll have a community stake that's in with that episode. Just to kind of set expectations, the way that we want to do it to kind of give Saul the ability to come back in, uh, it's going to be a lot more free flow episode. It's kind of going to be the three of us kind of getting together for the first time uh, in the capacity of a podcast and being a little more relaxed. You know, we may end up talking about news pieces, but it won't be necessarily something that we got together and did. We're just going to talk openly about um, different things. So hope you guys enjoy that and hope you guys are ready to have Saul back and hopefully ready to also have Chris join as a consistent third seat uh we are looking at if we're going to make that possible or not so hopefully we can but chris without further ado man it's time to get into the news but always before that you got to remind the peeps that they can support the show over on patreon.com slash nartech Uh, and also whenever we do have a community stake you can be part of that over on uh, twitter and everything else by going to at triangle sqrd you can go to the discord which is in the link below in the description or you can join us on facebook there's a group that you can look up and ask to be entered in we'll gladly have you chris yes sir first thing up oh god this delay is gonna murder me (laughs) It's not bad for me, um, so it's... Hellblade. Okay, what's well, yes. bad for me? And this I'm is, just, uh, this just is tech you know. debt as we find it. All right, here we are. Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice received the surprise next-gen upgrade for free, adding ray tracing, higher frame rates, and a resolution boost to the game, uh, even awesome. supporting 120 frames per second. The upgrade, though, is exclusive to the Xbox Series S and X. With the PC version of the improvements currently in the works as well, uh, 
you know, mainly I would imagine being ray tracing. I don't think the original version had that. Um, but PS5, of course, is being left by the wayside, which is not too surprising considering that Microsoft acquired Ninja Theory back in 2018, which also, yeah, it's not. God, they acquired them in 2018 and they've done nothing. <laughs> well, Here's the thing. Like a I understand the games game take too. longer to make than ever. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, I can't say nothing. Let me take that back. I would be lying. They had that game that I, for the life of me, can't remember. That was like Bleeding a edge. hero shooter game. Bleeding Edge. There yeah. we go. Bleeding Edge. So Ooh. whatever that was. Um, so they've done a little bit, but that was like a little side project. Either way, it's it's one of those things where... How do you feel about this? And the reason I bring this up is because I've seen people in the in the comments, right, saying, but Uncle Phil said that games were for everybody. Now, this is weird because what happens here, right, mm-hmm. is that there's a couple of things that you have to bring together. So it makes sense that a company who acquired somebody would try to make the best version of the game that they have available on multiple systems on theirs. Okay? Sure. But the game's already on multiple systems no matter what. So if mm-hmm. Microsoft's uh, decree that they are making is that they want games to be everywhere, <clears throat> right? Do you find sure. that not supporting a release of something you've had elsewhere when you do it elsewhere is, is fair? Do you care? And even if even just away from you, like how do you think this goes from a business standpoint? Um, because um, I look at it from you have this opportunity, right, to – to kind of use this as a reason as to why you think games should be everywhere. But the other side of this that I find interesting is that you can argue that the game is still playable on PlayStation. Yep. But if you're arguing that the Series X and S versions are the only versions that are upgraded, and you can argue that, then why can't you just go ahead and say that Xbox One does not get games, Xbox Series S and X gets their own games, because we want the best versions of the games. So there's a Mm -hmm. couple of things going on there, but what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think this, if anything, proves my point and I think ends the conversation about backwards compatibility entirely because if Microsoft is telling you that the the next gen version is a different version, that is a different game. That's what they're telling you by doing this, right? They feel like, okay, we've they have the PS4 version. That's cool. They don't get our new product. So I think right there, that, t- that, that ends the conversation about the director's cuts that Sony's doing, all of that stuff, because the people who are operating the marketplace for us are telling you that these are different SKUs, even if you don't want to believe that. They're different SKUs. Okay. I think it's a fair way to look at it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from there. Uh, and it's, <laughs> I mean, within the realm of if this is only going to be on here, and this game backwards compatibility otherwise has this. And yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's weird. It would be one of those things where I think the, the, the weird thing about Microsoft, right, is picking and choosing of battles because mm-hmm. they have Minecraft and Minecraft gets a PS5 update. Yeah, Minecraft gets a VR version uh, for PSVR when it doesn't have to. No. What? I'm not going to say what's the difference because the clear answer of what's the difference is is that Minecraft is one of the biggest properties in the world and that Hellblade sold pretty well considering its budget and was received critically pretty well. But that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 
I, I think it's just the difference of the worlds, but go ahead. I just think that this, that my, Minecraft is so big that they can't stop supporting it. They knew that when they bought Mojang, but I just think this is a, this is the type of game that's different. I think if Microsoft owns, I don't know, Apex Legends, they would support it on PlayStation 2 because on PlayStation also because they would still be making money. <laughs> they would support it on PlayStation 2. I mean, it does have 155 million. It does. Units That's a big player there. base. Sony should put God of War on it. Um, but do you know what I'm saying? We're like, this is like a single player. This is a single player game. There is no mon- mon- uh, money stream. This is a free upgrade, I, I would assume. Yes. Yeah, you said that. Free upgrade. So, yes. It's free. just Microsoft telling you without telling you that this, these next gen versions are different SKUs. And you're not entitled to the SKU because you have it, the PlayStation 4 version. They're giving it to you on Xbox. That's nice. But I think to me, I just look at it as exactly what I've been saying this whole time. It's like they don't have to to give you the next gen version just because you own the last one. And the everyone should get everything for free guys are doing that. And I think that just that you should look at it that way. Okay, fine. Yeah, so in this case, while one group is getting it for free, another group is just outright not getting it at right. all. Um, which is interesting, because, I mean, you are right. It's <laughs> If that's the hill that you want to die on, that these updates should be completely free because it's an upgrade to an original version of a game just due to the nature of what the consoles can do. Because realistically, if they had to make this game work with the Series S, there's no way that the version that they have for that could not be easily ported over. Now, there's still a little bit of work, but I clearly know what they're doing here. It's the same thing that they're doing with making um, Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six Xbox exclusives. Mm-hmm. Console exclusives. Is that yeah. they're trying to make their place the better place to play. And that's exactly what you'd expect from a business. But that is hard to bring down and reconcile with the idea that games should also be available everywhere to the largest group of people. Um, But that's because you can always say, right, every step of the way can be, well, Nintendo is blocking um, Game Pass on their system. Sony's blocking Game Pass on their system. And these games would play on there if they let them have Game Pass. But it still just Mm -hmm. means what's happening is that the reason that Sony and Nintendo won't let Game Pass on their systems is because Microsoft won't work with them in a business deal because at the end of the day, Microsoft's still a business. And they have every reason to want to get their thing on every platform that they can by also ensuring that they keep the majority of the money of that. So it's just... I think it's one of those nice sobering things of letting people still realize that as much as any company, Sony does it sometimes too, tries to talk the good talk and be PR friendly. That's ultimately a front. At the end of the day, they want your money. However, they Mm got to get it. And this is one way to do it. Make a game that people really liked work best on yours and not even give a version of it for next gen for other players who already own the game. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I'm not even criticizing them necessarily. I'm just, that's no, the reality. <laughs> I, I think that they can absolutely do that. Like I said, I don't have yeah. a problem with All right, next any thing of up. This. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying I don't have a problem with any of there the uh, upgrade stuff. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, even the people that make you uh, are that are like, hey, pay us ten bucks for an upgrade. I'm like, that's fine. If you did, if you felt like you did ten dollars worth of work, or if you feel like your game is so valuable that people would pay ten dollars for it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. See what happens. 
Exactly. Okay, next thing up. Uh, amidst the storm the company is currently facing, some wondered if Call of Duty would happen this year as thousands of Activision Blizzard employees went on strike. A recent investor's call seems to show the company is confident the next entry will indeed release this year in the fourth quarter and have confirmed that it will indeed be a cross-gen release, to no one's surprise at all. Uh, this is Sledgehammer leading this year's title after Treyarch took control of last year's Black Ops Cold War after Raven and Sledgehammer faced disagreements on the game's direction. And basically, Treyarch had to come in and save the game. Um, I have often, once the stuff broke out with uh, with what's happening right now with Activision Blizzard, I really did wonder how much you, the, the the greatest one-two punch the employees can actually give to show that they want change and that they mean it and they're not joking is to have everyone in relation to Call of Duty just say no. <laughs> and not release yeah. it. I basically not work on it this year so that it can't hit this year because that that will be the game, right? That mm-hmm. makes Activision lose money and hurt and not meet uh, investor expectations. You know what I mean? There's so much stuff that you could do with that one game that, I mean, WoW's also a big one and I understand that too. But right now, if you could just stop the one-two punch of uh, of call of duty coming this year and then the big updates to Warzone, you've got them you got them where you want them true i don't know that that'll happen i hope not or i hope so i don't know what the right stance is on that <laughs> I, I like call of duty sorry well, what do you I, what do you mean <laughs> i mean i like call of duty so like yeah. i kind of would like to play one this year but i mean i also like take charge and you know do whatever you need to do i guess more power to you, but I want to <laughs> yeah. play the game. Whatever, I'll play Battlefield. I just think it'd be a ballsy fine. move. It would be a ballsy move. I'd like to see yeah, it. Maybe, and I would Battle- maybe Battlefield was made without without a bunch of uh, sexual harassment. Maybe it was. <laughs> maybe we. Well, maybe it was, and we will never know. Yeah, anything is possible with these companies hiding everything. <laughs> All right. Um, Next one up, as part of the recent string of horror games coming back from the dead, Fatal Frame could be next in line. Producer Kaisuke Kikichi, yeah, who knows, recently stated he'd love to work on a new entry in the series should the upcoming re-release of Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater perform well sales-wise. The re-release is digital only and hits PS4 and PS5 on October 28th. So if you're a big fan of that and you want to see it come back, maybe you should go out and support that title if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um it's i'm not surprised to see this i think we see so much of this thing of uh horror games kind of being on the rebound where somebody saw resident evil do it really well so then they're like but we're gonna do it now and then the next person's like we're also gonna do it with dead space you know and oh well we're also gonna (laughs) do it with this um at some point though i almost wonder do we actually bring back too many horror franchises in too short of a time period and flood the market with horror and then people just don't buy because there's too much uh maybe but i mean <laughs> not to sound crazy but like that's just the market will speak and the fatal frame might not be there next when the next go around comes yeah i didn't realize that series was 20 years old but considering it was a ps2 series i should have <laughs> yeah i'll say that <laughs> i mean the ps2 some for some, somehow still feels like last gen in a lot of ways <laughs> I don't know about that one, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> okay. In the vacuum of time. Next thing up, 
In the vacuum of time, yeah, sure. Uh, Deathloop has gone gold, meaning that any further delays are unlikely, though, as we all know, Cyberpunk showed us that anything is possible with enough determination and bullheadedness and people getting in way of what should have happened. Uh, anyway, no release, no further delays are likely ahead of its September 14th release. Uh, that game looks great. I'm really excited for it. Uh, Chris, I saw you mention it in a list in the Facebook earlier. So are you mm-hmm. like kind of really hyped on it the more you see? Deathloop, yeah. It's one of those things where like I have a, I have it and I'm now that it's getting closer, I'm kind of getting more excited for it. It looks really fun and I'm a big fan of the uh like the repeating the day concept of it. So I hope it's good. I'm really looking forward to the uh potential of it. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things coming out with that, which kind of happens in in all industries to a degree. Like, it's not quite the whole day, but what's that game that's coming on Xbox first? I think called like Twelve Minutes or whatever. Oh it yeah, is, Twelve Minutes. Where it's like, yeah, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. The it's one something with like very Elijah close to Wood that. And, yeah. uh, Daisy Ridley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's going on too. But I, I'm trying to think: is there another game? of any kind of notoriety that has used mm-hmm. the concept of repeating a day? Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a massive PS5 exclusive that is the exact same concept as Deathloop. Well, I understand that, but it's not really... <laughs> that one's weird because it's not really... that. I guess it is and it isn't repeating it's, the it's day. The yeah. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I think the way it's, I think it's the way it's that's, framed is a lot different. You know what I mean? Sure, but that's at a certain point. That's a very semantic argument on it. Not that you're wrong. It's not repeating the day. It's yeah, I guess, well, I guess I would say right. I think, I think the lives. difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that also depends on the other game, right? Because I was about to say that the difference between them might be, even though the game's called Death Loop. Even if you don't die, does the day restart again? Kind of like the whole idea of uh, Groundhog's Day, where when you go to sleep, you wake back up and have to repeat the day until you break the loop? Or is it literally you have to die? Because it looks like the game kind of forces you to die in certain spots. Like, you know, the last trailer they showed where it's like he got through the day, but then you get shot by the girl. So it's like because the story needs you to restart to go to the next day. So it's going to kill you at certain times. And then other times, if you die yourself, then you have to restart by nature. but you know the whole the whole crux of of Returnal is when you die. So ostensibly speaking, at least we know for sure within that game, if Celine lives and doesn't ever die for thirty years, even if she's still on that alien planet, she doesn't repeat anything until she dies. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's, that's just one of other mini games using that mechanic, right? Yeah, I mean, it comes to my head because it's immediately like I remember playing Returnal and then seeing the trailer for Deathloop and being like, "Wow, Sony bought two of the same games." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. It looks really good. I'm excited to see that one and see how that kind of rounds out the majority of. Uh, which I won't say that because even Deathloop is not a pure exclusive, but I mean. I'm definitely excited that it's on PS5 and it's one of those things. It's like, ah, I'm glad I bought a PS5 because otherwise yeah. I would have been missing out on this. Exactly. So, that's cool. I'm also really it's excited nice. to see how it uses some of the things like the idea of uh, jamming the trigger by actually locking up the adaptive trigger. 
Yeah, I like that. I want someone to like really use the adaptive triggers in cool ways. And that's one that sounds really cool. Like it actually is a gameplay mechanic on top of just being a thing that happens to your trigger. You know, because some games tend to use it as like, oh, I guess this brick is harder to throw in, in Hitman 3, where it's almost like I'd rather you just didn't do this. So this sounds like a cooler use of it. Yeah, I could see that. Um, uh, other games that kind of come to mind of the thought process there is like uh, of what it would have been cool if it existed back then. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Far Cry 2? Far Cry 2, yes. you know, Far Cry 3 ended up doing away with it. But Far Cry 2 had the gun jam mechanic. And people hated it because it was like a more simulator aspect where if you were shooting your gun and you overused it, you would end up jamming it more often. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Red Dead 2 has that as well. Your gun will jam up if you're if you don't clean it and maintain it. But there are games that mm-hmm. it would have been cool to have that technology in. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, not to derail quick, but I have something you'll be interested in. Apparently tomorrow there's supposed to be an announcement of a Sony event for the 19th of August. And I don't know what's happening, what's happening tomorrow. But <laughs> if, if that's true... <laughs> <laughs> and it's in relation then maybe we won't be abandoned <laughs> by sony at this yeah. event right they'll stop blue boxing us <laughs> <laughs> they're giving me blue boxes <laughs> oh man well we'll see how that ends we up will. playing out we will see how that ends up playing out uh okay next thing up uh take two the company who owns publishers Rockstar and 2K Games, so a lot of the publishing business, uh, has announced that it has three more, quote, new iterations of previously released titles, end quote. Uh, It intends to release before March of next year. That's basically a fancy way of saying, like, ports or remasters. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a handful of games that people would really love to see get a fresh coat of paint. They've done it with a couple of things, like um, they did it with Mafia. Uh, Mafia 1 got a full remake. Mafia 2 got the remaster. And then Mafia 3 got the definitive edition version or whatever. Um, And I'm not surprised because we're seeing that right now. Like Chris, of course, talked about how much he loved the Mass Effect um, trilogy and that did like that sold super well as have most of the hd remasters that have been popping out so it's no surprise to see 2k uh, or take two rather want to get in on that what do you think the three games could be like if you had to pick what do i think or what do i want that's important distinction both <laughs> um so i think it's going to be GTA 3, GTA Vice City, and GTA San Andreas, assuming they're actually remakes or remasters. But okay. my hope okay. would be Bully, Rockstar Table Tennis, Midnight Club LA. <laughs> oh, dude, Midnight Club LA would be sick. Yeah. I would love... I, I would actually love a full-on remake of that game. Oh, yeah. It will, it, I don't think it will happen. No. But I love that game. No, it will um, that game's so good. Honestly, I would just like a new Midnight Club because we're in that yeah. point where like there's not a lot of racing franchises in that style that I'd love to see that come back. Since Need for Speed mm-hmm. seems to be going a very different way, you know. Not that yeah, the, the criteria on Need for Speeds have just never been for me. No, they're not very good. I will say I think I've realized what games these are going to be just by rereading the news article, and it's going to be Chinatown Wars, Liberty City Stories, 
the Vice City stories because those are the only three outside of table, te- table tennis and Midnight Club that are not on PlayStation 4 right now. That makes sense, actually. Um, yeah. And they were pretty well-received games. That would be interesting if that's yeah. all it's going to be. Um, I'm sure that there's people out there that are thinking... Uh, one game that comes to mind, because it's literally just new iterations of previously released titles, it could be something as simple as Red Dead 2 coming to PS5. But the thing about that is if they're trying to release it by March and they've got Grand Theft Auto 5 coming, I think that they would November. try and give Grand Theft Auto 5, with as big as it is, more time to breathe before shoving um, Red Dead 2 right there. Because to a degree, but, you're going to cannibalize your own games, right? Are you? Are you, though? Maybe not. Because Maybe not. It's... We're not, you know, because it's not a thing where we're talking about Battlefield, Call of Duty, and Titanfall 2. We're talking about Grand Theft Auto 5. They could, I mean, they could release Grand Theft Auto 6 and Grand Theft Auto 5 in the same week, and it would probably wouldn't cannibalize each other because GTA 5 is the GTO hub <laughs> right now, you know. Um, sure. But I don't know. I think just re- reading the way this is, it just sounds to me like they're bringing more of their games in. And the only ones I can think of is, yeah, Red Dead would make sense. A PS5 edition. Well, in Grand Theft Auto 4, people have been wanting a Grand Theft Auto 4 remaster for God yeah. knows how long. As well as a Red Dead 1 remaster for God knows how that's long. That's true. Now, the hard part about Red Dead 1, if I remember, I think, is that there's some lost files for yeah, that that's game. What um, I, yeah, so because of the way they chose to develop it. So that that could be a hot commodity you know what i mean and since it's a it had multiplayer but i would imagine if they remade that they probably wouldn't even bother with the multiplayer because they want more people going towards grand theft auto online or red dead online so Mm -hmm. i think a strictly story-based remake of uh of our remaster if they can do that of red dead one would probably be a hot item oh yeah i would buy that day one all right i have a question for you about this this is a little tangential but we'll see if Rockstar announced GTA 6 was an online-only game, but that they were also making full remasters of three Vice City and San Andreas that were one package. Would you be okay with that? I mean, I'd be okay with anything. (laughs) But the the reason I say I'd be okay with anything is I don't really care about Grand Theft Auto anymore. Fair, okay. Like It's been so long since I have that it genuinely does not move the needle for me at all. I will give them the the Excuse fact me. that Grand Theft Auto 6, should they sew it um, and show it the right way, it might move the needle for me, but I doubt it would move the needle for me by being an online-only game. I'm pretty sure the only chance that Grand Theft Auto 6 would have at roping me in would be just showing a very excellent story. And mm. I don't even know that Grand Theft Auto 5 doesn't have an excellent story. I just don't care to find out. If that's a great if that's the best way I can kind of word it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I get but that. it's, it's kind of like Red Dead, right? You know, it's 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 okay, I'm gonna take a chance here. And <coughs> I just and even though Red Dead One didn't really pull me, I decided to take a chance. So I'll never say never, but yeah, it's not something I see and like most other people go, Oh my god. You know what I mean? Like I really yeah. liked Red Dead Two, and if they showed Red Dead Three right now, I still wouldn't be like, Oh my god. <laughs> wow. I, that's the best I could say. I'm disappointed to hear you like that game. So, uh, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, next thing up, South Park creators Trey Barker and Matt Stone signed a deal for more seasons of South Park. Exclusive content delving into the world of South Park for Paramount Plus and a 3D game that we might assume to be South Park, but it's not technically confirmed. Uh, Bloomberg reported that unlike the last two games that were a collaboration between South Park Digital Studios and other developers, first one being Obsidian, second one being Ubisoft, uh, this game is being completely developed in-house at South Park Digital Studios. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I really love both of those games, but also if the last two games were any indicator, you shouldn't expect to see this game anytime soon at all. Uh, <laughs> that seems to just be the way that their workflow goes. And definitely since they're bringing more stuff in house, the deal is crazy money though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it who knows almost what will happen here, right? you know, honestly. Yeah. It's an almost yeah, billion dollar, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's unheard of in terms of a TV deal and then the fact that it extended into so many other things. You know what I mean? Like, apparently yeah. the Paramount Plus stuff may be in the world of South Park, but introducing completely new characters. That'd be cool, Which is actually. a bold take to do, like, 30 seasons in, you know? <laughs> no, not quite 30, but you know what I mean. Being that far yeah. in, it's... it's Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know? So, it'll be interesting to see, because, I mean, they're coming up on 30 years of being a show if nothing else um so it's cool though because i have you know even before this i've been wondering a lot lately like are we going to get another south park game because i really enjoyed both of those games first time i played them and then when i went back to play them for platinum they're just great games and it's it's surprising how good of a games they are on top of how good of south park media they are um so it'd be, it'd be interesting. I don't know if you ever played any of the South Park games as a kid, but they actually had some of those 3D games on like Nintendo 64 where it was like Chef's... I, I Love Shack, I think, may have been what it was called. <laughs> I don't okay. even remember exactly what it was. There was one that you could like run around in 3D, pee in snowballs and pick the snowballs up and throw them at each other. It wasn't Ooh. good at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I may even be misremembering something there, but... It's just, it, it is interesting to see them go from, I think part of what made everybody love the two previous games is the idea that from start to finish, they look like they had the DNA of the show in them with that kind of 2D yeah. felt look. I wonder how people I would, would respond to a fully 3D South Park game. But that would be interesting. See. I don't know that it would work, right? Like South Park is so 2D. I feel like it would be super weird to see that. I, yeah, I don't know either. There's times like, but think about this, right? What if what if the reason that this is happening is because the new South Park exclusive Paramount Plus con uh, content is 3D animated? What if it's live action? Oh god, <laughs> they've they've messed with that a few times. That would be really interesting. Um, I don't know. There's so many ways this could go, but you know, it's one of those things where it makes me think of like South Park is about to have its own. If it, if this is a South Park game, right? This is going to yeah. have its own internal moment of where like Nintendo had to take all of their 2d franchises and find a way to make them 3d. This is that for South Park. This is taking a 2d <laughs> franchise and being like, all right, you've always known South Park. This is what it's always done. How do you make a 3d? <laughs> <laughs> they should do a uh, South and Park. It's, MOBA. it's gonna be interesting to see how many actually succeed. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I actually think that could work. <laughs> it would absolutely work. Are you kidding? Like Man Bear Pig, you'd have Al Gore. Oh yeah, dude. 
and like Al Gore's special powers. <laughs> you could have just... you could have Satan. Yeah. Al Gore makes global warming could happen. You have Saddam on the map. Hussein. You, I, mean, I don't know if they'd like that one. You definitely could have him. Will they is another question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they're not, hey, if they're publishing it themselves, which I don't know if they are, but if they are, then they're the only people. All they have to deal with is the ESRB. Yeah, it's himself. It's true. You could even have crossovers. You could get the the puppets from Team America World Police in. You could have a <laughs> beer skipball mini game. Dude. Basketball, excuse yeah. me. Basketball, my bad. <laughs> and and then an orgasmo. <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> if there was an orgasmo tie-in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've actually I and maybe they are, and I've missed it completely. I always wish that in the previous two games you could have found the orgasmo raider. Like it would have been perfect if they would have had an orgasmo reference in the uh, in the the fractured behole because it's a superhero. So if they could have had yeah. it to where you could find the orgasmo raider arm ray and then shoot people with it and have them like that would be great. That'd be so good. Yeah, I'd be into it. Okay, next thing up, um, this is cool. And I wish, I think more games should do this. I've been a little surprised that more games haven't done this Mm because this started, as far as I can tell, back in PS3 era. But Ghost of Tsushima's multiplayer mode, Legends, is getting a standalone release on September 3rd and brings a new Rivals mode to the game along with it. A host of new updates to the Legend mode is hitting at the same time, so players who wish to only play that part of the game on either PS4 or PS5 can buy Legends for $19.99. So if you want to be the guy who loves multiplayer but doesn't want to be weighed down with the cost of a single-player campaign, bam, bam, here you are. Um, I remember that one game that did this, even though I think it ended up being free-to-play at the time, I don't think you had to buy it, was Killzone 3. And my thing has always been, I think games should do this anyway, right? After either a certain amount of time or just in general. What's the best way to get people to play who wouldn't normally play a game? Like, oh, well, the multiplayer looks cool, but I don't want to pay $70 for a story I don't care about. Okay, just buy the multiplayer for 20 bucks. Free, baby. Yeah, I mean, Free? I've always said... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I've always thought that like uh, something like Apex should do... like it, People are calling for Titanfall 3. Be like, okay, here's Titanfall 3 single player. It's 19.99. You launch it through Apex Legends. Like that... It, like in, That would in, actually be smart. In the reverse. Like, why wouldn't you do that stuff? So I hope they figure this all out. And it basically happens with Apex's mechanics mm-hmm. and a single player story, and it's just a little thing that would actually be smart. Yeah. That'd be really smart. Like like Bangalore is an IMC. It's interesting to me. She's an IMC soldier, so it could be very easy to make a Titanfall game with her. You know, keep the universe there, but it's like, oh, she can. I don't know. She steals a pilot's helmet, so she calls a Titan. There's a lot of ways they could go about doing it that I think would be fun and kind of satiate those people who are begging for Titanfall 3. Yeah, sure. Basically, even if it's something short, like a five-hour campaign. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. What I think is interesting here is uh, I I haven't played Legends at all, so I don't really know how it's set up to be monetized. But it's one of those things where you'd almost imagine that this would actually release as a standalone free to play multiplayer to where when they get it in there, people can just buy stuff and microtransaction their way to a successful game. Cause people seem to really like the legends mode. And if you take away the barrier of entry, yeah. but make it make sure there's something that's microtransactionable, then you come in with a way of doing that. But I kind of think it's bold to be like, yeah, we believe in this so much that you're going to pay $20 for it. It's just, which one would actually do better? 
which one would be more fiscally, you know, reactive? Well, I think the thing for Ghost is I don't think there's enough content in there to be a free to play game, but like a nineteen dollar like play for five, ten hours with your friends, I think it's perfect. But I think as a free to play game it flops because you're not paying for microtransactions when you're done after ten hours. But I think a lot of people are willing to pay ten out ten dollar or I'm sorry, willing to pay twenty dollars for ten hours of content. So I think with Maybe. I haven't played it at all, so I really don't know, but I have a couple of friends who have played that game mode specifically for like in excess of 50 hours, which makes me think that it has the type of longevity that any other game does. Because what it really comes down to is repeat play, right? It's if you can make mm-hmm. your, repeat, your repeat play worth it for people. Because the you know my buddy who plays Call of Duty specifically pretty much every night, he's playing the same map with the same people, most of the time with the same weapons, doing the same thing. But the outcome is different because of the players. That's all it comes down to. That loop is yeah. fun, but you're only really playing a very small amount of content a multitude of times. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's. I guess you can make that argument for everything, right? Like Apex is a very small amount of content that I've put 1,600 hours into, you know? I guess it's it's a hard conversation. Exactly, it's a yeah. Hard question. Like at this point, I'm to the point where almost every time I play Sea of Thieves, I almost treat it as a free to play game because in a lot of ways through Game Pass it kind of it is. is. But that game makes sense to me as a free to play game. There's not a lot of content in the game, but it's fun to do that content over and over again for a certain amount of time, depending on what it is. Like the treasure hunts eventually get boring because you go to all the islands enough times and you see the variations of puzzles and as soon as you get there you know what to do and it's not fun anymore uh for that but that's the the type of game that that is and you can buy stuff within it and monetize it that way but technically that's a game you're supposed to buy but i also think the main reason that is is because they just wanted a game that they could say you could either buy it for 60 dollars or just play it on game pass and even though it's a game that and to me just screams free to play it is free to play (laughs) <laughs> through <laughs> <Yeah>. Game Pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. More or less, you know. Huh. So I wonder if Sony will it's, make their, it's uh... basically it's a reason to play elsewhere. True. Very true. Anyway, what were you gonna say? No, I just think it would be interesting if Sony turned their catalog into like uh their their game pass competitor into a bunch of like multiplayer modes that they have for their games like hey if you subscribe to this you get factions for free and ghost of tsushima's legends mode and diamond dynasty for free you know that kind of stuff i would that could be an interesting way to go about it like keep your uh a strictly a strictly social aspect yeah service like mm-hmm. that just be like hey all of our all of our multiplayer suites are in here for 10 bucks a month or you can buy our games and get it for free. That would be that would be cool, actually. Yeah, I, I think that that could be done well. And for people who really like that, like that wouldn't be for me most of the time, at least. But for people who really play online heavy, that would be cool. I think it just comes down to how many of PlayStation's multiplayer suites are really that fun and really hold on to you for that long. I don't know. I don't. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I'm not sure either, so. 
I feel like we're like the news team who's like, and now I'm over to Chris. Chris. <laughs> yeah, hey, Bob. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I feel like I can hear you like in time, right? But it feels like you're hearing me like five, ten seconds later, which is making it weird because the d- d- delay it's is It's the not exact mutual. same thing opposite. Really? Okay. Oh, it absolutely is. It's just, it's perception. Yeah. I guess because I'm waiting on you, so, it's it's fine for me. Yeah, and then I'm waiting on you, and as soon as you quit talking, I can talk, <laughs> but you won't hear it for 10 yes, seconds. exactly. So, either way, we march on, and hopefully editing can fix that up, but if not, yeah. then we're just going to pretend that we're in, you know, we're news host. You're, uh, <laughs> you're, what do they call them? Uh, what do they call the people they send out on the street? Um, I genuinely can't think of the name of them right now. Yeah, um, I have no idea what you're asking me about. The Daily Show has a correspondence. Too, it's like we go off to our yeah. correspondence. Yeah, Chris, Chris, you're my you're my correspondent for the episode. That's what's going on. <laughs> and every time that you go to say something, it's just I have to wait for your response. So hopefully you don't get blown away in a hurricane. Um, <laughs> let's see. Next thing up, PS Now's. August games are available for all subscribers with the three for the month being Nier Automata, Ghost Runner, and the critically acclaimed Undertale. Um, that's a good month. I don't think it's a bad month at all. Uh, it's not a bad month. It's a big game. Ghost Runner looks really cool, even though I've heard mixed things since I've got excited again here. But Ghost Runner looks awesome. Yes. Is your thumb up Ghost Runner or Undertale? Both. <laughs> Undertale's great. It's probably <laughs> okay. the single most... Undertale is probably the single most overrated game of all time, but it's good. <laughs> oh, so you mean anything that's good, but suffers from the fact that everybody goes out and says it's good? No, I mean, people talk about, have mentioned Undertale as one of the best games of all time. And I'm like, I, that is a strict no for me, dog. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, Randy Jackson, because that's how people talk about Breath of the Wild, and that's a strict no from me, dog. Uh, you're wrong. Uh, that's okay, because I know someone <laughs> heard you say that Undertale, and they're like, uh, no. I don't think there's a good argument. So we just for we Undertale. exist on both sides. Sure. I don't think do. there's a good argument for Breath of the Wild. I think there's a. <laughs> You know what? We're not going to argue about this, but there's a significantly better argument for Breath of the Wild than there is for. Ooh, I didn't have to kill sure. everyone. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to kill everybody in Dishonored either, but you know, you did it because you wanted to see the blood and guts everywhere. Yep, exactly. Don't play. And with that's me. the reality of the modern gamer. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got two more things here. Sony's acquisition of anime streaming house Crunchyroll, uh, which they're combining with Funimation, which they also own, of course, has now been completed after an antitrust review in March delayed the purchase some. Uh, This finalization comes at a really interesting time. Uh, This wasn't even anything other than an ad showing up for me at the right time at the right place. I was literally on Twitter earlier and saw an ad for Crunchyroll before they even announced that the uh, deal went through. And it said, you get three months of Game Pass with Crunchyroll. And I thought, didn't Sony buy Crunchyroll? That's really odd. When looked, and it was like, oh, it might be delayed. I said, oh, okay. Three hours later, Crunchyroll purchase has gone through. I said, oh. So it's just as weird as I initially thought. Sony 
own a company that right now is being like, hey, get Game Pass for PC through us. Okay. Yeah. I will I, I will say it's probably a good thing that they're not letting the PlayStation business interfere with the anime business. So I, I'll take it for that, but I mean I guess, but then but they're inherently letting gaming industry mingle with the anime industry, which of course it does. Yeah, it definitely does. But at the same time, of course, everyone's fear when Crunchyroll was being bought out by Funimation through Sony was that, of course, Sony and their heavy handedness with um, censorship through the gaming wing oh, would God, extend yeah. into all the anime adaptations, which is a reasonable scare, <laughs> you know? It definitely is. Sony does not have a good But track you would think that with this happening, what it'd be right now is like you get three months of PS Now with your Crunchyroll subscription. But no, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just a better sell. I'm sure Microsoft has been doing some pretty solid deals on that front, too. They've had uh, a couple months of Disney+. Plus. They've had Apple TV. So, I mean, it makes sense. I bet they don't get another one of these deals. But for now, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knows? We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, last thing on the list, though, uh, on a pretty uneventful week for the most part, unless you can think of something that I completely missed. But Sony have announced that since its launch last November, PS5 has gone on to sell 10 million units as of June 30th, 2021. We also got an update on PS4 numbers with the system continuing to inch closer to the PS2's 155 million at 116.5 million units shipped so far. Uh, I really do wonder if they're going to be able to hit that 155 or not. We'll definitely see. If they keep doing cross-gen games, they very well could. Uh, but in the same quarterly conference call, Sony talked about MLB and Ratchet exceeding expectations and how acquiring Nix's software will allow them to, quote, offer technological support to all of its studios in a horizontal manner, end quote, which seems to confirm that they're obviously looking at bringing games to PC more often. And likely quicker mm-hmm. than they were in the past. So, Chris, yes, let's sir. break that down line by line. How do you feel about break PlayStation it. 5 hitting 10 million? Do you feel like that's a surprise at all? Because he should. No. <laughs> it's not a surprise. It's only a surprise that they couldn't figure out how to sell more. Well, I think that this, that surprise has been somewhat fixed because Sony also announced that they were able to secure their chips to make sure that they can hit their expectations of ps5 uh for this coming fiscal year yeah, which was what 14 million if i'm not mistaken i think that sounds right yeah so the fact that they hit 10 million before a year even happened is amazing you know what i mean yeah i mean so i mean i say amazing but... it's not surprising people want them yeah yeah thousand dollars on eBay, so, so like... ps4 then We've yeah. often talked about our thoughts on cross-gen games uh, and how we don't really love them. But the one benefit that they do have is that they tr- give PS4 a chance to drive up and hit PS2 numbers. Uh, do you you think within the next... I don't know. The interesting thing about PS2 is that it continued to sell so well into the PS3. Do you think PS4 will actually hit the numbers or just fall yeah. short? It'll never come close. It's still like, what, 32 million? It's not happening. Yeah. No, it's not happening. You don't think it could within the next five years? No, no, because if if there's if they sell 32 million more PlayStations, somebody screwed up with the PS5. (laughs) Well, see, that's my weird thing too. I've always thought that, but Sony wants to repeat that PS2 success of 
PS2 basically going on to be great throughout the PS3 lifespan. But inherently, the reason that happened is because PS3 wasn't doing too hot. And people weren't ready to hop onto Microsoft 360 just yet. Like, plenty Mm. did, but plenty didn't. They just stuck with the PS2. Plus the fact the PS2 was a DVD player at a time when they really weren't better. People don't really use systems in that same capacity anymore. I mean, yeah, it's a 4K Blu-ray player, but most people don't care about that. Um, Mm. But I agree. It does feel like if you sold 32 million PS4s, is that not 32 million PS5s you could have sold? Exactly. And which one's really more valuable to them? I mean, this is the thing with the cross-gen games. It's like they're... Obviously, the cross-gen games... Or, I'm sorry. Obviously, the PS5 should be the priority. So, I don't understand why they're handicapping it by allowing by putting these games on old old systems they're not why are you buying a ps5 and we had a whole community's take on that and the reason people are buying a ps5 is because of the load times and if that's how you're selling your console and then you sell 32 million more and then in 2023 gran turismo 7 is coming out on it what are you talking about you know it's weird because I can see how us at the forefront of buying them and thinking of a new product that the new product should be your biggest concern. But I think what the actual one-two punch of marketing and something like this, when you have so many and you want the people on PS4 with the massive install base to still keep buying stuff so that your revenue doesn't go down. I think the real secret sauce here is to have PR and moves that make it look like the PS5 is the most important thing and give that illusion no matter what, and then still find ways to make the PS4 have proposition of value so that people want to keep buying it, like the patient gamers, and you get those people who just waited and waited and waited, and they enjoy the PS4 and can, can still continue getting a few new games while also having the PS5 be there and be like, but this is also what you're really here for. And you serve the best of both worlds, but the reality is is the PS5 pool is so much smaller than the PS4 pool because PS4 has been out for so long that you really want to service that part of your business, but you want to do so without looking like you're doing it by sacrificing the PS5 because then it makes the people, the smaller, arguably, pool of PS5 users be like, why aren't we getting the priority treatment? Yeah, I don't know. I You're not wrong. I just think, especially, especially with Microsoft's like, announcing games just for x and s i think that sony looks even worse for me i get the logic of releasing <laughs> stuff it makes sense but at a certain point like they've never done this before every other time it's they move on and they sell the console and now it's like oh we have so many people that we have to hold back these games okay fine like do it i'll still play it but they're ps4 games they're not ps5 games that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because at some point, though, if you look at like what drives the profits, right? Most of the money comes from like DLC and microtransactions and whatnot. So it really shouldn't matter what system they're on other than the, the, the sheer PR bragging rights of saying that you had a second console break every other console's record. Which is, they already have. They're already, the PS4 is the second best-selling ever home console yeah. behind their console. That's a good place to end up with. And I'm sure they're happy with that if that ends up being the final one. 
but you can imagine how good of a PR punch they can be of, you know how successful we are? Our PS4 surpassed the PS2. People would people would riot in the streets. Not really, of course, but, you know, it would be that level of where people would be trying to use that as some really hamstrung argument as to why PlayStation's so great. And it is a good PR boon. I bet you right now, if Microsoft could come out and say, guess what, guys? We sold 100 million Xbox Ones. They would love to. But they can't. So it's one of those things where regardless, if, if most of your money's not really coming from uh, attachment rates, and even then, if the attachment rate, because you have a backwards compatible system that plays the games even better and quicker, can be had on PS5, of any PS4 game that they waited, you should be trying to usher even patient gamers into buying a PS5 and saying, all those games you didn't play, now you can play for cheaper. You can buy them for 20 bucks, and they play and run better on PS5. And if you're just a big Apex or Call of Duty player, PS5 runs those games better as well. And bam, they are. All your money's still coming in the same way. So it does start to feel like in our more modern society of games as a service being some of the biggest, there's less of a reason to really worry about what do we get catering to an audience on a previous platform Mm -hmm. when all of those games are supported on your new platform? Yeah. I don't know. I get it. I get, I get the business reality of it. It just, it's just always going to make, it's always going to seem weird to me. Well, what I'm arguing here is I don't realistically, there's no reason not to usher more people to PS five because it can still play all PS four games. And the majority of your revenue does not come from actual software sales. The majority Mm. of your revenue actually comes at least as far as we can see from microtransactions and getting their share of a microtransaction that can happen on any console. So why would you not just go ahead and say, do it on PS five? Yeah. I agree. It's, I mean, I, I agree too that there's that side, but I don't really, in, in, I don't understand it as much now as I would have as if they said, well, we're going to keep supporting PS3 because we have so many <coughs> out there and we really need the attachment rate. That's not the, the gaming landscape we're in now. Mm-mm. So I get it and I don't. I think that we've evolved in the industry past that point. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Sony does it. I don't know. It's got to be PR, and we're just looking too closely. But uh, that's it, I, pretty much, uh, Chris. So thanks for being my correspondent this episode and uh, <laughs> responding with a delayed fervor. Uh, it, it feels like we've done an episode of a fever dream where I talk to you, and even though I can see your face and your mouth and your lips and everything, you wait, and then it's like my ghost comes and whispers it in your ear. <laughs> It's exactly what's been happening. It's been fun. It's like I'm talking onto a note and then <laughs> I'm having to pass it through a couple of desks in class so that you can get to it. Well, I got your note eventually. <laughs> uh, I checked yes. so You do eventually. We're going to prom. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, triangle squared prom. The theme is Sony exclusives, <laughs> cross-gen exclusives. Awesome! I'm coming um, as the as amygdala from Bloodborne. <laughs> Did you say amygdala? Yeah. Is it is it not amygdala? Uh, I've I, always called it amygdala. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying that I've never thought about it until just now because I don't know that anybody else has ever said that word out loud to me. <laughs> I've always called her amygdala. Amygdala sounds right. They both sound creepy and terrible. Exactly. 
who knows? All right, uh, community's take. Now, we actually got one that I think would be pretty cool um, from one of our patrons, Rude Days 93 He says, um, oh, actually, I'm in the wrong spot. Uh, community's take discussion. Oh, Here wow. we are. He says, so no need to do this next episode, but we are, Rude Days. We are. Yeah, he says, yeah. I was thinking as a possible community take question in the future, would you rather PlayStation continue to focus on the VR space or go back to the handheld market? Something that me and a friend ended up talking about and curious what others' thoughts on it are. I will hold my thoughts until next episode because I really do like that one. I think it's interesting. And it would be interesting to get a, a feel for how much of our listenership tapped into the handheld side of Sony and how much are tapping into the VR. And then the more p- potential reality that the majority may not care about either, <laughs> but we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. If Hopefully you had I'm to put to money on it, this is what it. we'll do as a fun thing. If you, if you had to put money on it, Chris, what's your prediction for what we'll hear the, hear the most of? Do you think more people handheld. who answer will be gunning for VR or handheld? Handheld, easy handheld. Okay, interesting. Do you think the people who uh, love Switch are just wanting that from Sony? Yes. God, that's so delayed. <laughs> All right, Chris, I can't suffer this anymore. And be honest, I just can't. <laughs> I, I have a try. feeling that editing this is going to be a nightmare, but we will do what we can. Uh, and we're going to figure out a way to do this where the video version is not this because that's not it. <laughs> I will it not do this again. The first, this like, is terrible. It's but fine for the I love first, like half of the episode. <laughs> And then it just it, it went to hell in a handbasket, as did. the southern people I don't know say. What happened. Is that a saying up there? Yeah, I know. I, yes, I've heard that before. I've never. I don't use it. <laughs> okay, but. I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> uh, this is the first time I ever have, but it found its place in the show. Uh, uh, so, Chris, thank you yes, for joining me. I appreciate you. I realize now that I did not pull up the Patreon names because uh, this is just a. Maybe we are in hell. I'm sorry. I think so. That might actually be the case. My name is Dan Luke Bartolomeo, uh, Funk hey. Turkey, Sean Santarude. Look at that. I've got like four of them. I mean, you kind of got somewhere around there. You named a couple of them. Shout out for yeah. Devil Call Out. But you know what? Here we are, end of the episode. If you want to support the show on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Little is a dollar per month. Sports show goes a long way. Helps us be able to do this without having to dig into our own pockets. And we're extremely thankful for those of you who do it. As a shout out, at the end of every episode, we always shout out every one of our patrons. So to those of you, we thank you. <clears throat> Kyle Graham, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Ham and Egger. Thank you all so much.